Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent artists seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower artists. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi everyone, this is Chatting with Nat, this is Natalie Jeans and Natalie Jean, and today we have the honor of having award-winning singer-songwriter Dominic De Cruz. Dominic De Cruz is a musician in Bengaluru, India, who over the last 31 years has done everything connected with music performance, composition, songwriting, teaching, and recording, even worked in a music store. His music has received accolades, finalist in the SDG Action Awards, two-time winner in the Redemptorist Christian Music Video Festival, an Academia Award, and a Global Music Award. He played bass guitar on the two-time Grammy Award-winning album Divine Tides by Stuart Copeland and Ricky Kej. Grammy-nominated album Love Language by Voter Kellerman. He continues to work in the studio and on stage and believes in putting thoughts down with a fountain pen and a pick. Let's give him a round of applause. Hi, Dominic. How are you? Hey, hi, Natalie. I'm good, thank you. Fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm still alive in this crazy world that we're living in. Um, Mm. I mean, the past three years have been... um, All I can describe is like crazy, mind-boggling, jaw-dropping. It's just been wild. So... How have you yeah. been through, you know, through elections, tsunamis, mass shootings, George Floyd, Terry Nich- Nichols, we have Roe versus Wade that has been overturned here. Um, yeah. COVID, COVID had some babies, measles, polio tried to make a comeback. Mm. I mean, how yeah. have you been through all these things that have gone on in the world? Uh, yeah, like everybody else, <laughs> we were on <laughs> lockdown for quite some time. and Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Um, it was it worked a little good in a way because uh, that's the time I actually got to work on some stuff that was you know stacking up, right? You know, uh, things like tunes that come into your head and you write them down somewhere and then you forget about it. So I pulled all those little bits of paper and those little recordings out and started working on them. So yeah, that, that was a good thing. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. So because the next mm. question is this, you know, obviously. The past three years have been something else, and COVID was like the, the down point of everything. Um, you know, a lot of people lost friends, family, mm. uh, pets, whatever. Um, yeah. So that was a con. But like you said, there, there was right. pros to being locked down because it, mm. it, people took the time to really self-reflect about what's going yeah. around their surroundings, and then you basically cooped up with you know, people, your family members, people that you live with. And so you get to know these people. Like one of the things for me, well, several things is that, you know, I saw more family members walking together and that shouldn't be a strange Mm -hmm. thing. 
but because yeah. they had time to do it, they got to know right. each other again. Um, then right. we had, I know people, colleagues that decided to cut back on work because they realized mm. they weren't getting enough time. Um, yeah. There are people that quit their jobs. There were several articles on people quitting their jobs because what the pandemic mm. did is that it made people realize that truly life is short and Instead of yeah. trying to do a job, well, I have to work because I have to eat and I need food, food and I need Correct. clothes on my back. I'd rather do something that's more in line with my passion, my destiny. So a lot of people yeah. do that. Um, climate change, the pollution level went down when mm, people yes. were not in yeah. on the streets. You know, the animals, the trees. They were just like, I hope these mm. people don't come back. But you know, we had to come back. And then like, yeah. artists, artists like you and I. Um, we create albums, we, we do tracks, uh, we do singles, whatever. Mm-hmm. We did the, our thing. Um, but at the same yeah. time, there were some artists that decided, I'm not doing music. Some people decided to rebrand. So yeah. during this downtime for you, was there any type of self-reflection? Did you uh, say, okay, with, with my music career, I'm staying the same? Were, was there anything different that you wanted to change? What did you think about yeah, I mean, there was a lot of time for self-reflection. And uh, like you said, um, you know, you, you you start uh, thinking up of the stuff that you've put on the back burner, stuff right. that you've been putting off for a long time. And then you think, yeah, I mean, it's time. Life is short, of course. And that's the time you realize I've got to do something. And if I've got to do something, I've got to get started at least. You know, right. Now. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a good time to connect with the family and, uh, you know, relatives and cousins that you, who, uh, with whom you've not really been so much in touch with. True. And, very, very uh, true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, besides writing songs, I mean, uh, the songwriting always started with writing poems back in school. So mm. I did come up with a couple of, I did come up with a couple of uh, verses on, uh, you know, the, the, the lockdown situation, the pandemic, right. people who were actually losing people, you know, family members and stuff like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. there was a there was an offshoot to that as well, but uh, a lot of realization, like you said. Um, yeah. The time the time to get started is now. You know, don't don't keep a- putting amen. things off to, on a back burner. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, how did you get started in the music industry? Did you come out of the womb, and you're like Dominic mm-hmm. is going to be this musician, this mm-hmm. composer, this award-winning artist, or or was it oh, something that you heard or saw? that made you uh, want to get into the music industry? Uh, a combination of things, actually. I mean, uh, I've been musical from a very young age, and uh, okay. there is a little bit of history of uh, music in the family. Like, my dad used to play a little bit of the accordion. None of them played professionally, but uh, my grandmother, my mom's mom, that is, she used to mm-hmm. sing in a choir, and I guess that's where my roots of harmony come in. Uh, harmony has been something that fascinated me right from a young age. And, um, yeah, I mean, thinking back, even when I was a little kid, I used to make up nonsense rhymes, you know, and I guess that was the, <laughs> the spark of, you know, writing stuff and uh, right. making stuff rhyme, and then which later turned into songs. And, uh, yeah, so I know I started playing the piano when I was about six, five or six. Okay. And uh, but here in India, a piano was unaffordable at that time. It was a luxury, you know. Okay. I mean, it's still, it's still a pretty expensive instrument everywhere, but uh, it was definitely a prohibitive uh, 
prohibitively ex uh, expensive at that time. So I used to go for classes. At, mm -hmm. uh, of course, they had a piano there, the teacher's place, and I used to go to the convent school where I was, and we used to, okay. to practice there twice a week. And then, fine, when um, I couldn't, we couldn't afford the piano, I picked up a guitar, and mm. a family friend just gave me a chord book and showed me a couple of chords, and yeah, I just got started from there. And, That's great, uh, yeah. Uh, nobody believes me when I say I had stage fright. I had a lot of stage fright right up to the time I was about 17 years old. So I used to play the guitar, used to sing, but in the confines of my room. Right, and right. And then, I, I mean, I used to watch bands playing on stage, and that kind of attracted me. I liked, uh, I liked the vibe you right. know, between people dancing. That's the time live music was... The thing, you know, where people came to dance in restaurants and discotheques and stuff like that. So that that kind of fascinated me. And then I started making friends with uh, people who were in bands. And then I slowly worked my way in that way and uh, picked up a lot along the way, basically. So that's how that's I got into the music in, in industry. And then, yeah, it's, it just went on from there. You know, you talk about stage fright. So... I've, you know, growing up, I was always a shy person, and I, my, I mean, my father sings and mm. stuff like that, and I never thought I would be in the music industry till later in life. <laughs> but mm. I mean, the idea of like performing in, in front of people, oh my god, that was so foreign to me. I was like, I was yeah. petrified until <laughs> there was a moment where I was, I just didn't care. I was like, you know mm. what, you care about, much about what people think. Just, you know, yeah. have a good time on stage, know you're Correct. doing well, and then that's it. And then that's that's the way I was able to overcome mm. this whole stage fright thing. You stage just, fright thing. You just, have, you just have to enjoy yourself. You just have to know right. within your mindset that you're you're yeah. doing your best and people are just going to enjoy it, you know? Because Correct. That's 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 how you live it. That's how you got to do it. And then yeah. being the audience engages with you, and it's just um, mm. it's it's a phenomenal thing. What do you love most about being an artist? Oh, the the connection you get with your audience is something oh. I can't describe. I mean, and that's something I look forward to every time I get up on stage. And it is a little disappointing sometimes when you get uh, a not so responsive audience. But, right. I mean, that's all part. That's all part of the game. It's uh, something for you to learn and probably rework and fine tune your act a little bit. It, it's it's a learning experience every time. That's one Definitely. thing I've known about being on stage, you know. And um, the other thing is, like you said, um, the less conscious you are of being on stage, mm -hmm. it's like it, that stage fright and all inhibitions kind of go with that. You know, you just got to be right. natural, be yourself, do your thing, and. That's it. At the end of the day, you have a good day at work. That's there, there. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah. That's the way to sum it up. Um, you know, the one thing I won't do is uh, perform in venues that have televisions. Yeah, See, that's a damper. Yeah. That's a damper. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying, and yeah. you know, I don't want to be perceived as like background noise. What do you think about right. that? I, I just, because we take we, it takes too much to rehearse and. Creating, yeah. we spend a lot of time on marketing and promoting to go into mm. a venue, and then they have televisions on while you're performing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah that's, that's not a that's, that's not a nice thing. And uh, like you said, it's not it's um, um, it's bordering on disrespect for the artist, if I may say. Yeah. 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 
So like, yeah, no we, more. we do uh, when we perform with a band. There are times when uh-huh. I, I play. Uh, we do a retro rock kind of uh, gigs off off and on. So there are times when we play at these sports bars, and um, mm. if there's a tournament or something happening, the the screen is on, but it's it's muted. There's no volume. So people who come in to watch, they just have the thing of watching the screen. But there are right. people who come in, you know, they have an eye on the screen, but the ears are open to the band. So that's fair enough to an extent. But uh, sure. yeah, not not like a television show running in the background or something like that. I mean, a, a game right. or something like that is, is okay. It's like uh, chilling and watching the game at home, you know, so. Right, exactly. That, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But otherwise, yeah, it's bordering on disrespect for the artist. Yeah, no, when I perform, I want my audience to pay attention. It takes too long to because I hate rehearsing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you straight <laughs> up, I hate rehearsing and going over mm. and over the songs. I used to, ugh. and so yeah. if I'm doing all of that, you better be paying attention. That's why right. I love the artist <laughs> Nina Simone, because Nina mm. Simone would command the audience right. and tell right. them, like there's a video where she tells them this one young man to sit down because she's about to perform. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took mm. her years. You know, she learned. She she was a classical pianist. She learned yeah. her stuff. She wanted people to listen to her craft. And you have right. to respect the, the you you have to respect the artist. So I completely yeah um, love that about her. Um. So tell me about your recent album, Led by the Light, which is a new take on traditional Christmas carols. Um, and you, you and your wife did that one together, correct? Yep, yep. That's, uh, yeah, that's the first album we did together. Um, again, this came about thanks to the pandemic. We started work right. on it uh, just before uh, 2017, in fact. We started work on it. And then um, we ran into a whole lot of personal stuff in there, like uh, family stuff and all that that needed attention. So we put it on a little hold. We finished one track in 2017. And then during the pandemic, we said, let's get this done. And um, in fact, uh, the idea came a long time ago when I, one of the early years when I was working with Ricky, Ricky Cage. Okay. Uh, he, he told me, why don't you add some fusion elements into your music? I mean, I was basically... A rock guy, you know, rock pop and right. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I was in a restaurant band, so we were playing a little bit of multi-genre stuff. So uh, he said, "Why don't you get into something like this?" And then I did give it a lot of thought, and I guess um, over the years, I kind of built up the. I became a little more knowledgeable about fusion styles and how stuff okay. goes. And, you know, it uh, like I, I mentioned this to another uh, radio host when I was doing a chat here. I didn't want it to end up, you know, like a mixed, a hodgepodge, basically. Right. Especially when you mix in uh, different elements from different parts of the world. So it had to be as exquisite as salted caramel popcorn, I'd say. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, but not nothing overpowering the other. Right. I get that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we started work on that together. And then we put down the tracks and then we called in... Um, we called in artists who were good at their stuff to do their bit. So we have, um, I've used multiple percussion stuff, you know, like Indian percussion, uh, Eastern right. percussion, there's the darbuka, there's the, uh, there's the tabla, there's the, uh, then the vocal percussion, you know. 
and um, the Indian uh, rugs, what they sing in sargams, what they call it. It's like the equivalent of scat vocals in, okay. in the Western thing, you know, where they just sing syllables. That's what right. And uh, the notes, like as we would go. So we put in stuff like that and then we got working on it. We finally put it together, started recording it bit by bit, piecing it all together. And yeah, at the end of 2021, we had it ready. My wife and I did all the vocals ourselves, and she did most of the main vocals. Okay. She's uh, she's she's been a choral singer for quite so many years, and uh, she too started singing when she was pretty young. And um, we have similar tastes as well as diverse tastes when it comes to music. And she's got a keen ear for harmony and for vocal vocal intensive stuff basically. And yeah, she's a she's an artist too. I mean. But the album cover and some of the artwork on the album and all that is all her work. So she's got the eye for detail. I don't. <laughs> well, that's not. So, that's yeah, fantastic. so 2021, 2021, December, uh, November, we released it on the first Sunday of Advent. So okay. we did that. The only thing is we wanted to do a live, a bit of a live performance and launch it. But that didn't happen at that time because there was still some COVID restrictions down here. Yeah. So let's see, at some point I want to do a, a nice real good show with all the instruments and all that. It's going to look impressive and it will definitely sound good, I'm sure. That's awesome. Now, tell me uh, what Feel His Presence, the song Feel His Presence is about. Uh, <clears throat> feel His Presence, yeah. Um, like I said, I used to write songs when I was pretty young in school and, you know, all that. So many of them started out as poems, and then as I got more into the music scene, I started putting tunes to them. And uh, I was involved with a church group uh, in my youth. That was the youth group in the church, basically. And we used to have a lot of activity, uh, you know, engaging the youth in sports and um, inter-parish activities and competitions and stuff like that. So during one of those things, I... I, um, not that I became sanctimonious or something like that, but yeah, I mean, I do have a strong connection with God and church and stuff like that. Right. So feel his presence was something which just came, um, when I was deep in thought one day, you, um, there's, there's a big question, where is God? How do I find God and stuff like that? So it's like you, everything around you speaks of God's presence. If you, if you only notice it, it's not that you have to look for right. it. You just have to, you know, pay, pay a little attention and listen, and it's up there in front of you. So that's that's how feel his presence came about. And I wrote it as a poem long, long ago. I think it was in the early '90s, if I'm not mistaken. And then I finally put it to a tune much later and recorded it, and and that became the title track of the album. Awesome. All right, I'm going to play it now. All right. Everything we see around, trees and every pleasant sound, tell us that the Father's love is here. Even things we cannot see, feelings and humility, tell us that the Father's always near. We can feel His presence everywhere we go. We can feel His presence Everywhere we go 
Dark clouds rain and the people say, Thank God above, His love is here to save. In our lives, He wants to see simplicity and charity, helping people drifting far away. Because um, what I listen, some people are always surprised by what I listen to in the car. But I listen to inspirational music, and right. before it was an inspirational uh, radio channel, it was actually it was top forty channel, and it was bought by this inspirational co- uh, radio mm-hmm. station called K Love. And funny, it, that station would just not work. And then I said, okay, I'm going to try this. The station and the song that came on was something that I mm. needed to hear at that moment. Oh, right. And, I've, and I've and I just never changed the the radio station. It's it's the one that I listen to all day long, and I absolutely oh. love it. Um, Great. And you know the songs are so they're very poppy R and B ish kind mm. of some country very now, um, mm. and I just love it. And I absolutely love inspirational music to the point that now I'm like, I want to do another social impact album, but I also want to do an inspirational album. Um, um, I think the world, the world definitely needs a lot of that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So how do you go about, you know, in, in our, in today's world as an independent artist, a lot of us do our own stuff, right? We manage, we yep. promo, we market, we do everything. So how do you manage all of the mo- uh, marketing and promoting of your music and all the social mm. media stuff? Yeah, it's, it is quite a task, actually. And uh, I'm, I'm not as active as I'd like to be on social media. I, mean, I, I know I've got to up my game a lot up there. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, the thing is, uh, I think it's all about connecting with your audience, finding that niche audience first, and then connecting with them and you know keeping the interaction going. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I consider myself someone who's been at the cusp, you know, where we've seen the old 
way of running uh, your show and the new way of running your show. Like back from a time where there was no social media. I mean, I mean, right. I go even further back and say there was no mobile phones. So right. it was, you know, landline and <laughs> that sort of thing. So, I mean, there was a time when we used to send out Christmas cards to uh, people who booked us during the year, you know, just to keep in touch and, you know, refresh connections and stuff like that. And it worked. It worked well back then. So now, uh, of course, yeah, the whole thing's changing and it's constantly evolving, I'd say. So oh, yeah. I've got to just, I've just got to do it. I mean, it's like, it's like running a, an establishment or your, your business or your whatever, you know, so you've got to uh, keep that much time off to promote your profession and to promote your act, your art. And um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the amount of work I am doing in that department, but thankfully I do have uh, friends and artists around me who are good at what, uh, at uh, this kind of stuff and they help me out a lot and give me a little bit of uh, insights you know as to how to go about it and uh, you know um, when to time your posts and stuff like that so oh, and, yeah. yeah it's a learning process all the time <laughs> yeah uh, I have a fr- Nikki Chris she uses that all the time mm. where she um, she schedules her posts but you see I can't do that one just because you know when I post something it's based on my mood so, you know, I don't know what my mood is going to be. <laughs> I try to have a joyous mood every day, but, you know, somebody can always interrupt that. And so right. I choose, you know, it's the way I wake up, who I interact mm. with um, will decide what is going to mm. come out. <laughs> um, yeah. I, no, I agree. That- I agree with you on that. It's, uh, I mean, um, you've got to, I, I can't be somebody I'm not, you know, I can't pretend to be somebody I'm not on social media. I can't uh, right. make it look like I'm happy and chuffed about everything all the time. Yeah, there are times when things are not so good. And right. I feel sometimes it's better if, you're, if your audience or your fans know that you're a normal human being like them. And exactly. you, you also have ups and downs and it's not all, <laughs> you know, it's not all rosy and whatever. No. <laughs> Glam it's and all not that all stuff. rosy. That's for sure. Now, you know, as we were talking about, you know, networking, promoting and all that stuff, it's definitely different because back in the day, you could take your record or CD and you could uh, bring it to a radio station and they may play it. Now it's like pay to play. Now you have to see if your your song or album can go viral on all of these social Mm. media platforms. It's right. definitely a different game. And totally, obviously, totally. there are a lot more people um, right. trying to create music. Even people that can't really sing or whatever, mm. they become mm. popular because of something they did or said um, on yeah. TikTok, most of all. And sometimes <laughs> right. I find that, you know, I, I it, it's really, I don't know if you this, but it's really interesting. I, I you know, when I listen to music, I would just, you know, listen to the beat and stuff like that. Now I've become a deeper songwriter. I really, mm. truly listen to lyrics. I love yeah. to hear how somebody has used different types of words to right. uh, express a certain meaning. And I and I try to find the soul of that person, that the artist in their music. Are they just mm. singing the lyrics that somebody else wrote? Do they really believe? Um, yeah. What they are listening to it's almost like when it's time to vote <clears throat> in Grammy. You know, I don't care mm. 
particularly who's on the album, but I need to see yeah. the artists themselves. Did they really right. invest their time, their heart and soul in Correct. the music? I mean, how do you go about doing things when it's, you know, when it's Grammy time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, as, as a songwriter, that's, that's the thing which connects directly to. I mean, uh, right. like you said, uh, we start listening to music you listen to songs and you you ha- you go a little deeper. You do get, get a little yeah. bit analytical, let's say, um, lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, one thing is, I think all of us as artists, we don't just hear the music. We listen to it. We actually pay attention to what's happening right. in the background, what instruments are arranged, and a whole lot of things like that. Right? So uh, that way, yes, I mean, I'm I'm a strong believer in content. There has to be content. There has to be conviction. I mean, there's no mm. point in somebody not feeling what they're singing or not feeling right. what they're doing. That has to be there. And that makes a world of a difference. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, as, as a performer, I know it. When I just go up and play perfunctory, it's not, I'm not doing justice to myself. I'm not doing justice to my audience. I've got to feel what I'm doing. I have to forget about whatever other stuff has happened during the day. I don't right. have to carry that up on stage. Yeah. So there's definitely a thing where I, I do pay a lot of attention and a lot of uh, I give a lot of uh, credit to detail when it comes to you feeling what you're doing and actually putting heart and soul into it. That's right. There's definitely a difference in all yes. of that. Now, tell me about the song For the Children. What is that about? For the Children, yes. Uh, well, like I said, I started off many, many years ago, and over, I never, ever dreamt of becoming a school teacher. Mm. Ever. I mean, um, I mean, yeah, and when I was studying, yes, I did look up to teachers, I did idolize teachers and all that, but I never ever thought one day I would be a school teacher. And I did, I mean, an opportunity just presented itself about 20 years ago, and I took up the job to teach music in a school. And right. that was <clears throat> my first interaction with the next generation, I'd say. And okay. I slowly got to know things that were happening to them, you know, in their lifetimes and right. in their day-to-day life, basically. And things that were different from what happened to me when I was that age. Right. So the different kind of scenarios. And then I started seeing the, the generation, the change over the generation, basically. And then issues like climate change and global warming and, you know, uh, uh, stuff like malnutrition and things like that, which... Uh, are pertinent to children uh, kind of caught my attention and we've, I mean um, when we were growing up, our family mom and dad and all of them brought us up that we have to share our stuff with other kids, less privileged kids and all right. that sort of thing so this thing kind of opened my eyes, there were people in schools who were not so well off, there were people studying there was, you know, the rich poor divide the haves and have-nots, and all those things caught my attention. And then over the years, I just kept doing my thing in school, and I became more, uh, what do you say, receptive to the listening to kids and, you know, getting their side of the story. And as as I kept teaching, I got to to grow with the kids I was teaching. And, I mean, many of them are adults now, and thankfully some of them are, are musicians. I feel good about that. And we even play together sometimes. So... Things like that opened my eyes over the years. And then uh, when I did the My Earth Songs project with Ricky and Lonnie Park, mm. 
we actually went deeper into the thing in the process of writing those songs. We went deeper into how conditions on the planet, conditions in the environment, conditions in the world, in society and everything are affecting children. So I'd say for the children was the outcome of working on the Earth Songs project because I could see the so that kids around the world faced so many, uh, I'd say they were deprived thanks to our generation because we've messed up the earth and messed up the environment and stuff like that. And I titled it For the Children because it's like I'm using this song to appeal to the adults. Let's leave something right. back for the kids, you know. Let's not be selfish. Let's not be thinking only of ourselves. Let's leave something back for the children. So control our actions as best we can now. It may be too little too late, but at least, you know, the call to action is there. All righty. Let's play that song. Yeah, that, was, that was kind of deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
part of it you know and that's uh, something I find myself a little lacking in the department mm-hmm. so I wish I knew a little more uh, I mean I did get a little bit of insight but it wasn't right. good enough and strong enough you know at the beginning so I didn't really take a keen interest in that and uh, another thing um, which I wish I had known was uh, probably uh, how do I put it it's the thing of getting into um, getting into better channeling of your material. That that's right. something uh, I could have used better, you know, better information about. It's like you sometimes you end up like you've got a ton of stuff and then you don't know what to do with it. You know, which road do yeah. you take with it? That sort of thing. Um. I think what surprised me the most is all the work that has to go into it. I mean, it's twenty-four-seven. Yeah. It is literally twenty-four-seven. Yeah. If you true, want true. to be heard and seen in mm. this world right now of music, you better yes. be on top of your game on right. every social media app. Um, yeah. You know, during the pandemic, I took a course, a TikTok course, and they were saying how obviously mm. the, the videos that are the that do well are the most the ones where people are being authentic because. You know, when people look at those videos, they think, oh, I can do that, too. So, you know, they grab those. Um, But Mm. they said that the requirement is that you should do at least five videos a day. That is Mm. hard. I've tried it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Then then the problem becomes is that you become inauthentic because you're just trying to look for stuff to say rather Mm. than, oh, just jumping on TikTok because you have something to say. Correct. So, 
I decided, okay, I'm not doing five TikTok. I can't do five TikTok. There's just not enough day uh, to be able to do that. Uh, right. it's, it's just, I mean, it's just, ugh, I, people just have to know. And the other thing that I learned is about how when you start, you, you get into the music business, the scammers, they almost oh. They smell new blood and they latch on to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can do this for you. I can do that for you. Oh, this. So you really have to do your research. You have to do your due diligence yes. when somebody contacts you about collaborating or mm. even telling you uh, they can, you know, they can make you a star, basically. Yeah. Uh, so. That's true. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess, like you said, scammers, uh, they're there. And and I, I I wouldn't restrict them to sniffing out new blood. They're there. Sometimes it's the scammers, like, even they're an evolving lot, you know? Like, yeah. there are new scammers coming in every day, and they don't know that yeah. people like us have been around. So, I mean, you can sniff a scammer a mile away sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> true. True. Very, very so, true. I mean, even even now we get uh, mails and stuff like that from people. Hey, come on, you know we can make you the next best thing or the next big thing. Right. Come on, we've been hearing that all these years. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's just yeah. crazy. So, what are you working on next? What's on the horizon for you? Uh, the next thing I'm working on right now is I'm. Um, I mean, I always work something's parallel. So. On right. the Christian music front, I'm uh, planning something a lot more on the inspirational, meditative kind of thing. Okay. With uh, I'm doing that with a friend of mine who's also a school teacher of music in the U.S. Cool. He's uh, yeah. He was uh, he was here in India. Mainly, he moved to the U.S. many years ago, and he teaches there now. So he's a pianist. So we are working on something together. Uh, okay. Like I said, inspirational, meditative kind of thing, and. Uh, yeah, and I'm also working on more children's music, music for children, basically. Uh, uh, it's uh, stuff which have a, a little moral or lesson to it, but okay. it's not it's not it's not something that sounds preachy. It's not like don't do this and you know do that right. and that sort of thing. It's just uh, a little thing, like we did with the Earth Song, something that sparks the curiosity, sparks an awareness in the kid, and uh. you know helps them grow up inculcating those values that you're trying to put across. It's not like I'm telling you to do this, but look, kids, this is what's happening. So it'll be better if you, you know, think twice before doing something or something like that. Right. Fantastic. And promoting, sorry, and promoting, uh, uh, you know, some uh, good habits which are dying out. Have habits like reading, habits like uh, making up your own games when you don't have your batteries are running low or something like that. You don't right. have to play electronic games all the time. Come on, you can go out and play a game of hopscotch or marbles or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... I guess I'm old school. No, I think we need more of that. I think, like, I don't like to be the, on the computer or even on my own phone all the time, but I am every yes. single day. I think mm. that kids growing up today, they... What's sad is that they're not going to know how to speak because, you know, now that you have all this LOL, RTFOL, whatever. So, you know, (laughs) the kids growing up today just have a, they have a language barrier because everything is like fast paced. They want to get to whatever they want to get to. They just don't want to take the time. 
So I think right. that um, and reintroducing those things uh, would be fantastic mm. because I think kids yep. need to learn that there's there's things yeah. that you can do without using Good. a computer. Like you, yeah, you use yeah. marble. You know, I used, to, I used to do this game that I was little that I forgot mm. about, but it's one that you sit. All you do is sit on it and you spo- you spin yourself around. That is what <laughs> I played back. <laughs> yeah. None well, of the stuff that they have out here now. Correct. I mean, it's, um, I mean, yeah, our generation, I guess, you you just made up stuff with what you had around you. You just That's learned right. to have fun with what you had around you. Yeah. That's right. I mean, uh, like you said, this little thing of just spinning around. Um, we used to, my brother and I, when we were little, um, we used to just hold a round plate or a round tray or, you know, Stuff like that, and pretend mm-hmm. that we were driving a car, sitting in a box, something exactly. like that. <laughs> Complete exactly. with all the actions, you know, with your feet on the clutch and the accelerator and all that. But that was it. And you, you just made the sound of the vehicle with your mouth, and right. yeah, you got happy. That's it. <laughs> and you enjoyed yourself, or you, or oh, yeah, thoroughly, this, thoroughly. There's this thing called a slinky. It's just this metal mm. thing. You would just throw it down the stairs, and it would go walk down the. That was it. Oh, yeah. That was it. <laughs> And you had yeah. a good time, you know, there weren't mm. all these computer stuff and blah, blah, blah. It, so it's about going back to the simple life, the simple way of doing exactly. things. You know? yeah. um, oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think the world, def- yeah. the world definitely <laughs> needs that. Yeah, simple um, joys, basically. Sim- I like that. Simple joys. That's, mm. See, that's the name of a song. That could be the name of a book. Simple yeah. joys. <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, Dominic, thank you for being on chatting with Nat. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I got to hear uh, some of your new stuff, which is fantastic, and I can't yeah. wait to hear more of what you've got in store for the rest of the world. Um, oh, fingers crossed. I hope to get that done soon and put it out there. I'm sure you will. Um, and you know, I'll be watching you out there. Sure. Yeah, we will. We will be in touch, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, everybody. This Thanks. was award-winning singer-songwriter Dominic De Cruz, who's amazing. You know, you can buy his music. I know everybody likes to stream things now, but you know, artists need to make mu- make money. We need to make that money <laughs> so we can live, because we're trying to follow our passion, our dreams. Um, and if you want to find Dominic, you can go to DominicDeCruz.com. Facebook is Dominic DeCruz. Uh, Instagram is the same. Um, he's on YouTube. He's on Spotify. You can find him. Maybe if you want to work with him, you can contact him, too. I'm sure he's open. Um, yeah. Instructor, multi-instrumentalist. He does it all. <laughs> so you oh, got to go and find him. Thanks again, Dominic. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Nice talking to you. All right, everybody. Until next time on Chatting with Nat. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 